Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do I believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Uh, I don't believe in God as a, some old guy with a beard or anything like that, but as a power, yeah. What about Satan? Yeah, well, if you believe in God, you believe in Satan. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you worship Satan, but yeah. Satan's probably one of the most uh, misunderstood characters in the Bible or in Christian religion. Is God's most beloved angel, his original right-hand man. Who designed your new T-shirt? Uh, you mean the one with the demon, uh, the, the beastie guy strangling Jesus? Heart's blown, blood's coming out of his eyes. That's the one. Yeah, I thought of that one. Do you think that's too much for some people? Yeah, it's cool. Don't you care? Yeah, I care. I like it. That's how much I care about it. I cared about it so much that I had to put on a T-shirt. Listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network and Uncontrolled Noise Radio. Today we have part two of the three Hits from Hell series. We get into the Danzig record, Danzig 2, Lucifuge. All sorts of spooky shit today, people. So let's kick it over to our host, Luce Cannon and Baco, with special guest from the Disciples of the Watch podcast. I'm talking about Gene Vogel.
Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Luce Cannon, and I am joined by a man so evil, he definitely will never be photographed buying kitty litter. Baco, how are you, sir? I am well, Luce. Always a pleasure talking to you. We are at uh, episode two of our three hits from hell for the whole month of October. We have another special guest, though, don't we? We do. Would you like to introduce him? I would. I, I'm giving you the honors. Oh, thank you. He is a man that has sat through a entire ball busting episode on his last, our last spectacular episode, Iced Earth. A man with a great sense of humor, Gene Vogel. Everybody, yes, yes, from the uh, uh, band Mortificator and uh, the the host of the wonderful podcast, Disciples of the Watch. Gene, how are you? I am doing well, guys. Thanks for having me here. Yes. I appreciate it. And if you're a first-time listener or you're jumping in on these episodes, make sure you go back to last year. Is This is becoming a tradition where Gene was part of a very comprehensive Black Sabbath discography that also included interviews with who? Baco? We had Dave Walker, um, a little bit of Ron Keel talking about his time in Black Sabbath, and, uh, of course, uh, the author, Martin Popoff. Yes. So thank you. I believe it, it, it was that your brainchild, Gene, or is it between you and Baco? Or how did that work out with the Black Sabbath last year? That okay. was Baco. Yeah. yeah. I just so, I, uh, I wanted Gene on the show because he's the creepiest guy I know. No, that makes sense. Yeah. But very, very, very handsome front man as well, wouldn't you say? Oh, very much, yes. He is oh, yeah. the panty dropper uh, of, Mortificator. of Mortificator, yes. Sure. sure. Yeah. He's what gets the titties bouncing. Mm-hmm. That's what it says in his bio on Wikipedia. <laughs> Somebody's reading it at least. Uh, that's right. Do you have a bio on Wikipedia? Because you should. I think we each, both Baco and I should start our own bio too. <laughs> oh, you start man. your own Wikipedia. All you gotta do is add a lot of footnotes, and Wikipedia will, will think you're legit. Lots of links. That's how it works. Perfect. Anyway, but uh, but thank thank you for joining us on this. And uh, Baco, I'm gonna throw it to you because this is your suggestion correct yeah my pick for uh this uh the month of uh, october three hits from hell mm-hmm. is uh danzig to hey, lucifuge yeah. uh i think i've talked about it on the show quite a bit danzig is probably a top five top ten artist sure. for me uh especially the first four records of his uh eponymously named band danzig and this album to me uh is really one of the kind of it really sums up the band for one thing, but definitely this time of year you get the 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 leaves fall out of the tree, the chill hits the air, especially like it is today in Minnesota, right, Gene? Oh, absolutely. A little windy and fucking cold, man. And snowed earlier. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of snow today, hey! uh, early October. But uh, yeah, for me, this is uh, definitely a creepy fucking record, and uh, got some uh, ominous artwork and all that good stuff. As I understand it, from this day forward, you play this in a loop on your porch for the uh, for the, the the neighbors to hear. Is that correct? Only if I also sit on the porch without a shirt on, <laughs> holding a cro- upside down cross and a shotgun. Okay, well, that's nice. And that's Fair how enough. I was greeted when I got here. <laughs> Welcome, Gene. Yeah, it's like uh, for some reason a Bible. I don't know why, but I I, I think it sets the 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 tone. That sure. was the creepy thing. That and you asked me to remove my pants before I entered your home. <laughs> More pants removal. A lot I had of, to make well, sure you weren't a vampire. Yeah. We, we free ball here, but we're actually wearing shorts, too. What are you guys wearing? But by the way, uh, quick quick fashion break, just so I can understand. Because you know, I don't have anybody in my studio ever, and it's cool that you have 
you know, members of Flip and Gene Vogel there. Uh-huh. So what is the uh, what is the the setup? What is what you know, Gene? What is Baco wearing? Is the host? Well, he's got a lovely pair of boxer shorts on. That uh, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> the ass has been cut out. Hey! Oh, Don't ask like, me how like, I know. Oh, good. So basically, he's he's essentially recreating the scene from uh, or the uh, the the entire get off part from the uh, with Prince. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> what else? What do you uh, can you describe what Gene is wearing? Yeah, he's Baco. wearing a talking metal shirt, and uh, all I can say is I can see uh, the bottom sack. Mm. You're like right under. Then. You know what under boob is. <laughs> Sure, you got the undersack going on. Yeah, you got like the basically undersack, but uh, sack bottom. So it's like reverse cleavage. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, and so, I do want to mention hair. that Ro- that uh, Baco is rocking a Minnesota Vikings T-shirt. Oh yeah, right. with the nipples cut out. Hey! <laughs> of course, sure. But uh, with that fan. said, uh, uh, Baco, <laughs> true fan, true fan, uh, Baco. Going back to the album, why don't you uh, bring us in? What are you wearing, though? Hey, yeah, yeah what the hell? Oh, man? I'm no. sorry. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I am. Paint a picture I am wearing... for the audience, man. No, no problem. Um, I'm wearing a. a, a I, I on eBay, I bought uh, Tommy Lee's uh, uh, leather leather uh, jock strap hey, from the hey, Girls Girls yeah. Girls tour, and uh, that's it. Nice. Uh, so you're we... naked, other than wearing Tommy Lee's jock strap on your head. That's correct, and um, and I'm wearing a muffler too. Well, that visual is definitely going to keep the female audience locked in for. Uh, hey, of course, uh, that's a uh, that's a uh, Janet from Nebraska. Moist. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, before we get into the actual record, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, how we all got into Danzig? Obviously, I will start. Uh, I actually saw the the mother video and the video for Twisted Cane on Headbangers Ball on the same episode. And I, I was actually just like, wow, th- this is fucking amazing. So I went out and bought the first Danzig cassette. I had no idea. I had heard of the Misfits and Sam Hain, believe it or not, mainly because of Metallica T-shirts for Sam Hain. But huh. but I had no idea that even, you know, probably for at least a year that, that I was listening to the singer for both those bands uh, with, with the Danzig stuff. That first record to me is perfect. This record is perfect. Uh, so right out of the gate, I think uh, Danzig, you know, basically goes two for two uh, w- with his catalog. I eventually grew to like, you know, by the time I, he gets to like, you know, four albums deep, I know about the Misfits. I know about Sam Hain. I'm buying all this stuff, checking it all out, you know, and, 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 and basically Glenn Danzig uh, pretty much from the Misfits up through his first four records, is a pioneer in, in music and one of the most influential artists uh, of rock music history. I, I, I say that with with no tongue-in-cheek, no joke at all. I, I think he was always constantly ahead of the, the curve during that period. I don't... After, after that, I don't know that I would would say that too much, but uh, he definitely uh, influenced a ton of different genres and is responsible for a lot of bands that uh, suck and some that don't. Hey, uh. Can I ask a question about the uh, the Sam Hain part? Is that obviously can you can you explain that the Sam Hain was Sam Hain the exact same band, just not with the the flip with uh, to the Danzig name, or was there a little bit of difference? I was. 
There, there, there was a decent amount of difference. Um, uh, Sam Hain had Erie and Glenn in it from the beginning. Okay. And there was a uh, there's a guy like uh, a, a, a guy named London that was uh, a member for a good chunk of, t- of that. But there's only three records there. And it's it's not until the last record that the guitar player for what, what we were we're gonna call Danzig, John Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't come in until the very last uh, Sam Hain record and Chuck Biscuits, the drummer from uh, <laughs> yeah, I know right. Uh, I think it's from the, the name that doesn't fit. The name that doesn't fit. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he, uh, a good drummer, weird name. Uh, but he he was never in Sam Hain. Is all I'm getting okay. at. He okay. came in after Rick Rubin got involved, and Rick Rubin was the one who actually said it's no longer going to be called Sam Hain. It's going to be called Danzig. Okay, so when they signed with uh, Deaf American or whatever, that was the flip, and there's a little yeah. bit of change. And and to my understanding, um, for for the for the change from Sam Hain to Danzig, was there a massive? Because I've never heard Sam Hain. Now the um, first it, two Sam Hain records are very different. The last Sam Hain record with John Christ, you're mm-hmm. starting to see kind of like a almost like a demo quality punk version of what became the Rick Rubin kind of polished okay. version of, of Sam Hain. But you can kind of hear it. You know what I mean? It's Got like, it. you know, hearing kind of early recordings of, of, of a band you, you dig. But the, 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 the two prior to that, uh, they're, they're not like it at all. Where did you come in with Danzig? Uh, Thursday. Okay, so, cool. No, but in all, in all seriousness, um, I mean, I was totally aware of Danzig, Mother, things that, uh, you know. Mother! And, and, yeah, exactly. But for whatever reason, it never really clicked with me. Uh, I never, I've never, i never owned nor still own a Danzig album. But, I mean, I knew of him, and I didn't dislike the songs that I'd heard, but it was just like from, from a... You know, from from a distance, and but uh, then I did listen to this album, obviously in full for this episode several times over the last uh, couple weeks, and uh, I'll share my my thoughts soon. But I don't, I don't have too much to to say about it, except that you know I knew the history and the fact that Metallica covered tons of Misfits songs, so I was I was familiar with Glenn Zett, Danzig himself. And, and if I may, I'll touch on a couple things before we kick it to Gene. Sure. The song Mother really didn't break until uh, after this record. They, they released right. an EP. But the other thing is you, you touched on the Erie Vaughn interview. I would like to say one thing that I, I take a little personal pride in. I'm not even sure why. But but the, the episode opens up with a recording of the song Twisted Cane that I recorded entirely by myself. Drums, bass, oh. vocals, guitar. It's That's all cool. me. I saw a comment because Erie shared the the uh, the episode on Facebook, and someone said, "Holy crap! Where the hell did that come from?" And Erie's response was, "I'm not sure. Probably Sam Hain demos."
fooled the member of Danzig <laughs> that I might have been. Uh, so go back and listen to the part two of the Erie Vaughn interview a little over a year ago, and I'm very wow. proud that I actually duped a member of Danzig. Well done. I gotta say though, you know, <laughs> since you're from Minnesota, you're pretty much the Prince version of Sam Hain. <laughs> that explains my royal. Was, re- was it recorded uh, in Paisley Park? You know, it was recorded in Broken Bulb Studios. <laughs> Same place I record every episode of Cobras and Fire, uh, the Cobra Studio North. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Gene Vogel, our our esteemed guest, let's uh, let's hear your thoughts on how you got into Danzig. Boy, I was a late bloomer on Danzig. That whole first album totally passed me by. And I think it may have been just the... What Metallica had done with with generating interest, you know, they did it with a few bands. Faith No More was another band sure. for me. Yeah, uh, yep. That totally that Metallica turned me on to, or even you know Cliff Burton, if you want to really nail it down, because he was a huge Faith No More guy. Him and Jim Martin were huge friends. Uh, so Danzig Two comes along, and I don't know how I I, I just decided to okay, here, Danzig's got a new album out. I'm not even sure where how this cassette came into my possession. This is your entry point. This is my entry point. Wow. That's cool. And I have to tell you that this cassette lived in my boombox that was strapped in the back of my 1976 Monte Carlo that didn't have a stereo in it, so hence the boombox strapped into the back seat. This lived into that boombox for quite a long time. I actually had that same setup, by the way, in one of my first car because the stereo sucked. What was the car? Uh, it was a Buick Skylark 1982, the color of puke, like yellow. <laughs> yellow. It was. Uh, I, I it inherited like a it Packer from helmet? my. Say it again. It looked like a Green Bay Packer helmet. <laughs> it was like off. I don't know what color. It was like an off variation of yellow, and I inherited it from my uh, grandmother that passed away. So it was pretty, pretty sweet, sweet car. But my point is, is that. I haven't heard anybody talk about the boombox in the back seat being the stereo for the car, and, and I don't I don't think ever. But that was my stereo. So well done, Gene. We're like brothers now. That's right. See, it's blood brothers. Oh my god, yeah, boom, like boombox, boombox brothers. <laughs> that's that's a thing now. Anyway, carry well, on, Gene. Uh, so well, that's that's my intro to uh, to Danzig cool. and the, the whole everything. You know, and it's funny because I eventually did go back. Which you know, that happens so much with bands where you get in later in their catalog and then you go back. And uh, it took a while for that first album to to really grab me. And the same thing with the third actually album. same here. Uh, when I bought it, but I would play the the it was the first song on side one and side two, Twisted Cane and Mother. Uh, it was probably until I got to Danzig Four that I went back and realized I liked the whole record. 
Anyways. Yeah, for me, it would be many years after Danzig 3 came out. Um, Actually, it was funny because I was so invested in this album that everything that came after it wasn't as interesting. And uh, eventually, later on, though, I I would come to appreciate Danzig 3, and I really enjoy that album now. But I, I was just kind of surprised to how how much time I spent with this album and turned other people on to it and then just really got away from it after that I, I think I was just in, in, invested in so many different other bands that Danzig just kind of fell away from me for a while there but this album never was off my radar and you know we'll get into this, uh, some of the details on the record but I would like to mention that uh, for the people who are kind of newer to the show I mean it's not something we talk about every episode or so you may have missed it <laughs> Uh, but I was married on Halloween in 2007. The uh, the day before, Danzig was playing in uh, um, Las... We got married in Las Vegas, and Danzig was playing there. And uh, Doyle had a band at the time called uh, Gorgeous Frankenstein, and so they were one of the opening acts. And so I got to see Doyle play with this new band, you know, Doyle from the Misfits. Uh, in, in spite of my interview with him, I actually I, I, I appreciate him as an artist. Uh, but the coolest I think, thing was I think, he, that, I think he owned the same phone. Yeah, okay, yeah, he probably. I, I'm not sure. I, uh, I think he might have just discovered phone technology shortly before I interviewed him. <laughs> uh, go back and check that nine minute gem out anytime you guys want. Uh, Nineteen questions <laughs> in nine minutes. Uh, I guarantee uh, you, you're, you're going to be amazed at the. the it's like. It was, it's like it, it's like speed dating. Yeah, it's like a speed dating interview. Uh, but uh, it th- w- anyway, with all that said, it was very cool to see Danzig almost be like my wedding band. But even better, it was like Doyle came out and they played like five Misfits tunes. And that was as close as I was ever going to see to the actual Misfits play. You know what I mean? Because uh, sure. Danzig has pretty much ignored the Misfits and almost refused to answer questions about him through most of his career. The idea that he did this was kind of shocking to me. And it was like almost like he... I mean, he was doing it for the whole tour. Don't get me wrong. But it was it was really cool that day. And I knew I was getting married the next day. And I was like, wow, this is... It meant a lot to me is all I, I'm getting at. And it meant a lot to my wife that it meant a lot to me, I, I guess. And although my buddy so Danzig, Wilson, Danzig got on stage with him for those five songs. Well, vice versa. Doyle came up at the Sorry. end of the Danzig set, and they, they hammered out five songs. Oh, okay. I got you. The best part was that my boy Wilson was there. We've talked about him on the show. Oh, yeah. uh, he's not familiar with the Misfits, and he's never been a fan of punk music. And it was so awesome. Like After each song, he goes like, that was a song? It was, like, <laughs> you know, the Misfits, especially the, like a lot of their stuff. They're like a minute and ten seconds long. You know, it's like, blah, blah, blah. It's like yeah, that, yeah. that's it. Hey, let's get into the record a little bit, shall we? Hey, this record was released on June twenty sixth, nineteen ninety, Loose Cannon's birthday. Oh uh, yes. It was recorded between June and May of 1990. Uh, June 89 and May. It took a long time to fucking record this damn thing. Almost a year, if this is right, anyway. It was in Tampa, right? Uh, it was not in Tampa. Uh, I'm sorry. I got my notes wrong. Uh, produced by Rick Rubin, which means he never heard the record. Um, <laughs> but he didn't enjoy a couch. And this this has, yeah, he enjoyed a couch, uh, probably somewhere near where they were recording. This was basically the classic lineup of Danzig for the first four records. Glenn Danzig on vocals, uh, Erie Vaughn on bass, John Christ on guitars, and, of course, Loose Cannon's favorite drummer, Chuck Biscuits. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, let's start with the album artwork. Uh, Loose, the actual album cover 
has a shot of Glenn Danzig's slightly hairy chest hey, with him uh, clutching a cross, which, of course, is evil as fuck. But when you fold the CD cover out, it's an upside-down cross. I just texted you a picture of it. Can you see it yet? Yep, I've seen this before. Okay. Uh, I had a buddy that had this. I will tell you one thing about this. This record probably sold at least between uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 200,000 to a half a million copies, right? Uh, this That's is a big range. Yeah, it's a broad range, but it's still, you know, I mean, it's it's a pretty big number is all I'm getting at. Sure. This is the my, my day job is, is doing stuff like this. Like, I've been in printing for the longest time. I can promise you one thing. There still does not exist a machine that can fold this thing the way it is, meaning they had to have people hand fold this. Really? Uh, yeah, f- for hundreds of thousands of copies. Um, which to me is a com- first of all, it's expensive. Yeah, and that's a commitment to the bit. To me, I open up this record and I flip that that mm. sucker out, and it's an upside down cross. And I go, "This guy gets me." <laughs> <laughs> all I gotta tell you is, uh, apparently, the Danzig Corp- Corporation wasn't uh, with a whole "it's a profit deal" idea. No, they definitely were not. They that's a lot of paper. That's a lot of paper and a lot of folding. Yeah, no doubt. It definitely is. And I got to believe uh, it was probably even hand-inserted into the cover at that point. I got to tell you, though, it's a very effective – because I, I do remember seeing this. Um, I don't remember when exactly, but it is a very uh, impactful CD package. I can't even think of another – you're right. Like I don't – can you think of Gene or anything like that where, where there's one that, that is a – even with the extra part – you know that makes the cross that makes the the length of the cross. Can you think of one that's a four panel? No, not off the top of my head. No. Do, do, right, Baco. Yeah. No. no yes, I mean, no. Uh, well, Slayer recently did it with Repentless. And that was uh, a, a, but yeah, a whole, that's, like, that, diamond. That's probably the second time I've saw that. I mean, you could think of that as a, a, a pure like a red cross. Let's just take the top part up. It's, it, I see what you're saying. That's very uh, yeah. But any, any yeah, anytime you cut out like corners like basically the squares you sure. you, no, you no longer can machine fold this well according to wikipedia this sold three hundred twenty nine thousand copies of course that's go. whenever that was updated okay. last so now that that's a combination of cassettes and and cd so there's probably at least a solid one hundred fifty thousand of these were made on cd yeah and this is a hard one to get on vinyl oh, there was an actual vinyl release of it uh in 92 yes. yes there was can, yeah. can i ask you this too though Baco, like in all seriousness what year again was the live version of Mother or whatever version it was? 93. It this, I think it was 91 or 92 this came out. This is 1990. Or oh, 1990. 1990. Uh, so that, yeah. that, freaks, that freaks me out. So where 1993, what album was current at that time? For, for Is that number four? Is it number yeah, three? Yeah, actually, that... uh, for Danzig, you mean? Yeah. yeah uh, their most recent full length at that time would have been... Um, God, I want to make sure I got this right. Gene, do you have the... the, the I'm going I'm to look at it real quick. Danzig it was before three 4. Was it, was before, was it was definitely before 4. Danzig 4 was released in 1994. Yeah, but uh, what was the EP released on? Oh, I'm sorry. You're Black, thinking of... Thrall, Thrall, Demon Sweat Live. That's that Demon Sweat Live. Right, 1993. Okay, so that would have been after Danzig uh, 3, um, How the Gods Kill. Okay, yeah, that, so so essentially that was when it hit when when now the back catalog. That's just for a very unique thing like you're talking about, where they had three full albums out and then a live album. Actually, that's the Kiss thing almost. You know? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, and the, the story goes that uh, um, 
uh, Chuck Biscuits ran out of money or something. And uh, this, I, don't, I don't know how how legitimate that part is. But Danzig approached uh, Rick Rubin about doing an EP. And they're like, EPs don't sell. And right. he, he, he brought up the Metallica EP. And he's like, all right, we'll do an EP. <laughs> and so, right. yeah, it's like uh, I think it's two studio tracks and three live tracks. And uh, right. the, the live track really took off. Okay. Uh, anyway, the, the music yeah. video for Mother was from, the second music video for Mother was from that, and that's when they kind of went. I mean, they were doing pretty good on, on the first three records, but sure, uh, they weren't in that gold platinum range. Right. That was the one that broke them. Anyway, it's it's just, it's just a very uh, it's unique uh, story for a band. Yeah, and I think that uh, that song itself may have pushed the back catalog even more so because Danzig. According to Wikipedia, Danzig, the original Danzig one, uh, the eponymous, it went gold. Oh, okay. So I have nice. a feeling that was based. That had on to be, yeah. Because right. uh, then they that, went back and grabbed the original version yes. of the mother. Yeah, I gotcha. Now I do have that on vinyl, but I stole it from the college radio station I was working at at the time. <laughs> nice. So or you took it have... home. Took it home before they, you know, folded. Cobra hack. Go to college. Work at the radio station. Steal records. <laughs> And now you have to steal, like, streams. That's right. Uh, um, yeah, but uh, that's, let's break into it, you, man. That's that's why streaming exists, to stop mm-hmm. college radio station students from stealing records. Yeah, it is a... It is a that's a reverse Cobra hack. We'll get into track one. It, the album opens up with a killer track, Long Way Back From Hell. I fucking love this tune. This, I mean, look... Honest to God, this is going to be like listening to Rock and Metal Combat show talk about the Aerosmith record rocks. I'm probably (laughs) going to go 10 out of 10 on every track on here. I do love this record. Just Let's just get out of the way. But uh, Long Way Back From Hell is just a perfect dancing song. Great way to open a record. It just, you know, blasts you right in the face, you know, like a geyser wad out of loose cannon after a 10-day break. If you don't like this song, you're probably not going to be a big Danzig fan. Uh, before I hand it to Gene, can I talk about uh, Glenn's voice uh, for me? I think, and, and this is just speaking from somebody that, that first off, I'll just tell you this. I'll, I'll just reveal. I was pleasantly surprised by this album. This was not mm, nice. one that, uh, um, it's, and I'll tell you why in a little bit going forward, but it was different than I expected. Now, with that said, um, just like a... Like being a fan of Volbeat, for example, for a unique voice. Good it, comparison. Uh, it, it, Danzig's voice is very polarizing. You're either in it or you're out, and sometimes <laughs> it or, or and sometimes it works great, and sometimes it does not for me. But for this opening track, to summarize, "Long Way Back from Hell," every single part of the song, from the riff to the vocals to everything like that. It's excellent. And I go back to the Volbeat thing, too, because sometimes for a guy that speaks English, you can't understand a fucking thing that Danzig says. But the effect and everything in the, in, in this. When he's uh, singing, it, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like when he's singing sometimes. And I'll go I into like that song. with 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 vocalists, though. Anyway. Uh, it, you, yeah, good, good, right. good and bad. Good and bad. This this song it really works for, but there's a song coming up that I'll tell you that that it is a skipper for me because of the okay. uh, over accentuation of that. Almost like over accentuating a Boston accent. Almost like he knows it and he's like, "I'm really gonna push it this time." Yeah, okay, yeah. For I certain, can't wait for to, certain I can't tracks. Wait to hear. So I don't know if you mentioned this or not, Paco, but the uh, musical lyrics, all of this are credited to Glenn Danzig. Yeah, uh, every song on every Danzig record and every Misfits record 
and every Samhain record is conveniently only written entirely by Glenn. Uh, part of, part of yeah. the reason that they uh, they have some issues. You know, the weird thing is I don't doubt that he wrote all the melody and lyrics. I definitely have some skepticism that he wrote all the music. Yeah, come on. That, that is a balls move. I've never seen any band that has one. Can you think of any band that just Ozzy. says one person? Thank you. <laughs> you. You've totally pulled the rug off from underneath me. I'm like, yeah, Ozzy you're right. Probably involved. Yeah, but uh, but doesn't some doesn't he some lightened up solo? later on? Yeah, he. It's not his entire career, right? Was Danzig a dick to not share songwriting credit, or was he realizing that like there's only one person, there's only enough money for one of us to make a career out of this? So I'm just gonna. It's not the same thing as being a dick. <laughs> I guess, but like, well, yeah, it, look, what I'm saying is that like Danzig is like. I don't think Danzig lives in the same kind of house James Hetfield does. Okay, I, I think Danzig probably needs to kind of be Danzig all the time just to kind of pay the bills. And if he had to share that money with three other dudes equally, Danzig sure. would probably be doing a podcast called Cobras and Fire. Well, understood. But 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 I am looking on the Wikipedia thing, and it did say, I don't know if this leads credence to the fact that he got all the songwriting credit, but it looks like between... Um, uh, 88 to 1996, he was banging Sharon Osbourne. Uh, that, that actually does reverse credence. She would have taken all the songwriting. Oh, that's true. Okay. Uh, anyway. So speaking of Sharon Osbourne, the song, Long Way Back from Hell. Uh, you know you know, you know, know when Dio wasn't banging her on the side, Glenn was. He had to be. Yeah, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a long way back from hell if you're sitting. You know what a long way back from hell would be like? Uh, walking from, like, what's, what's that TV show she has, The Talk? It's like it's the walk from like just being on the show to the dressing room. What, you mean from the dressing room to the show? Well, it's back from hell, not to hell. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Hey, hey. Right. I'm, I flipped that in my head. I was thinking the hell would be going to this. <laughs> Good point. Betwixt. So, so this one here, I got simple uh, yet effective opening to the track and a song with great energy to kick off the album. John Christ playing is also simple, yet there's a groove that is undeniable, uh, undeniably his that I love. Some guitar players think that you don't have to do anything before or after striking a chord, but John does what so many great guitar players uh-huh. do, and he uses those moments to create ambiance and simple tricks with like muting the strings and striking them with his pick hand. Uh, Glenn's piano slash keyboard accents help add uh, a little more ambiance to this song with great lyrics and a great performance by Chuck and Erie. I love this song. I give this one a solid 10 out of 10 every time. He was such a key part. Like, yes. Like on how him and Chuck Biscuits more than Erie Vaughn, I think were like that. He was almost like a rhythm section and a guitar player. Yeah. They just played together so tight. And when he was gone, everything changed. I mean, first of all, when 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 the band kind of ended after four, Danzig went industrial, and then the records after that, like the 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 six six the Danzig six 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 record, was also trying to gr- get a little more back to his old style with a mix of that industrial style, and then everything since then just has kind of sounded. Uh, well, at times there's really good stuff there. You can still get that Danzig songwriting style. That just rawness and blues energy is gone out of the band. And I think it's because of Chuck Biscuits and because of John Christ not being there. And I'm not trying to shortchange Erie Vaughn. 
he's a, a very key member and all that stuff. But I just think those two guys pretty much develop that classic Danzig sound that is on album one, two, three, and four. Well, and four is a li- for me is a little bit of a departure. And I know that John has, himself has said that that was an album that he struggled with writing for. That was one that kind of almost went back to almost that Sam Hain kind of feel, um, where they were kind of almost like a goth band. Chuck Biscuits does have a little bit of history before he came to Danzig. Of course. Um, he was actually in Black Flag and toured with them. Towards toured the end, at toured, the very end of Black Flag. Yep. In 1982, he toured with them for five months. Uh, he briefly filled in on drums for a few shows with the Red Hot Chili Peppers during their Freaky Styly tour. Did in, not know that. And that was in 86. And then in 1987, of course, he joins Danzig. And, well, he uh, was in DOA at some point there. And like you mentioned, he was also in DOA. He, him, um, wait a minute, both drummers. I don't know, I'm sorry. Oh, he's a brother of Ken Dimwit Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he related to Schaefer of Chuck Iser? Biscuits and Ken Dimwit. There's your fucking dual drummers tour. And you f- wonder why they didn't get songwriting credit. Ah, uh, yeah. A fic- they were a fixture on the Vancouver music scene. At different times, both bro- drummers played drums for DOA. And then, of course, Biscuits joined Black Flag in 1982. Uh, anyway, track two, uh, Snakes of Christ. That, that live EP, and I like that version better than this one, but it's a good song. I love the fact the way that goes from that long way uh, back from hell actually fades into Snakes of Christ. Nice. That was a really cool uh, way. And actually, this entire album pretty much has very, very little, I guess, buffer between songs, uh, which, which leads yeah, to that's, each that's one. True. Yeah. yeah. So, but Snakes of Christ, I like this song. The only thing I can't get over is how much it reminds me of War Machine. And it's not like War Machine is a very just a very uh, hmm. unique riff, I guess. Man. But it's very it's very similar. If I mean, the Stone and, Temple Pilots song reminds me of War Machine, not this one. Well, no, this one, this one really reminds me of War Machine. I do love that the, and that's that's not really an insult. I love the that sure, no, style I'm, style of riff. But 
The, my favorite part of the song is around the uh, two and a half or three minute mark when they have the breakdown where it goes drums and then they kind of, uh, I guess, like change the key of where the riff goes into. But I do really like the song. I think everything works. Um, it just, it just, uh, it's like anything. Like you hear a song and it kind of, it, it jumps in there. That's the only thing I have against it is it just reminds me too much of War Machine. I too like the bleeding from the previous previous track. Uh, that's something that Rick Rubin's uh, apparently a big fan of. He did that with Slayer. Um, was it uh, season of the? Or no, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, not seasons. Uh, I'm drawing a huge blank here. Oh, uh, rain and blood. Rain and blood. Thank you. Um, just like everything, everything just crunched together, and and like uh, Baco, you were Baco, Luis, you were mentioning. Um, there's not a lot of leg between these songs. They kind of just really crunched together, and it almost feels like it's just one continuous album in a fashion. Um, but for me. This song, uh, the previous song leading into this one, uh, Long Way Back from Hell, Into Snakes of Christ, this has kind of become my uh, waiting on the bus, uh, waiting for the bus, or Jesus Just Left Chicago from ZZ Top, or Heartbreaker, Living, Loving, Made from I can see from that. Zeppelin. Sure. You know, those kind of songs. Another one, Bites Dust, Where the Champions yeah. Were. It's like you kind of need these together. They, yeah. they they really just kind of click. And to hear one with that, the other almost feels you a little bit, leaves you a little bit wanting. And of course, post mortem and rain and blood was is another one. That yeah, that's is, where you're going with that that whole Rick Rubin comparison. Yep. Um, so I love that they keep the momentum rolling into the second track. Uh, the breakdown at the two two minute uh, twenty second mark is ooh. So you noticed that too. Yes, that was phenomenal. Really, really stood out. Uh, the lead section is somewhat lackluster, but it definitely works. And uh, f- you know, for my personal rating, I gave this an eight out of ten. Nice. Um, uh, and I should mention that, uh, by all accounts, Rick Rubin is actually producing this record. This is not the uh, the uh, guy on the couch taking a nap and saying, uh, send me the tapes when you're done. Um, yeah. this, this is still during his peak. In, in summary, the, the, these first two tracks are two for two for me. And also, just like uh, Baco just said, uh, app, the, the production jumped out at me, too. It's, it's just... Uh, I don't know, organic or it's not perfect, but it it, it sounds uh, it sounds like it should be for this type of. Well, album. You know, we touched on this a little bit ago. Do you like kind of the minimalist uh, approach that that uh, Danzig during this era had, which I'm a big fan of? It's almost bluesy. It's it's literally one guitar, not 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 over tracked. And by the way, I don't I don't mind bands that double track and and have two guitars, but I love the way this band just sounds. When they just it's just one vocal, one drum, one bass, one guitar, and then overdub leads. I was surprised with how basic in a good way this album was. And it yeah. like like you're just saying, I'll go into this later, but bluesy was what I was shocked about with a lot of these uh later later tracks. To me, this is kind of the same technique that he used with Johnny Cash later. Just minimalistic, mm. here it is. And it still works. Well, then you should listen to the record before and after this because they're very much the same. Okay, cool. Good. Anyway, uh, we'll get to track three here, Killer Wolf, which was the single, the the, the lead single in, in the video.
course, like all things Danzig, if there's a music video, it's it's kind of unintentionally hilarious. Uh, <laughs> shirts? Any shirts? Uh, not on Danzig, if I if I recall correct. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it. This song, actually, I like a lot more now than I did at the time. This, this to me, was the first one was like, eh. Even when I saw the video, I was like, I wasn't sure I was going to buy the record after I saw because I saw the video before it came out. I'm like, but it, it's actually a pretty fun song. I'm the wolf. This is the one that I'm talking about. Like when you see a movie and and Ben Affleck, who's from Boston, uh, over accentuates okay. his, his Boston accent. This is the one that goes way over the top for me. It doesn't work for me. Um, that that's my summer. This I is get the it though. Oh, okay. What you, you're you know what saying, I'm saying there? If you're talking about this song, yeah, I think I, I think I, I'd have to agree with you a little bit. Okay, so that's my that's my summary on this one, Gene. And hope before Gene gets in, my brain just clicked. I get the War Machine reference, Gene. Wow. Okay. <laughs> boom bam, boom bam, boom bam, boom bam, burning in. That's what you're getting at. Yep. 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 All right. So, track three, Killer Wolf, three fifty nine. Uh, time on that. So we slow things things According down. According to the official bit. CD pressing. Yeah. What do you got? Exactly four minutes. Hey. Okay, so we slow things down, and it's a, we got a bluesy rocker. Danzig is the wolf. He's gonna go inside your little girl. Then he's gonna Ooh. come inside your little girl. Oh my God! This is a okay. All right, so go ahead. Lyrically, it's not Nasty. Shakespeare, but I, it works for this song, especially you know being kind of a bluesy I'm rocker. The wolf. Hey. <laughs> and uh, for me, I gave this one eight out of ten. Now this one, Baco, though, like you mentioned, this was a grower song for me. Uh, when I first got this album, this was one of those that I just I wouldn't skip it, but it was less desirable than the previous two tracks. The next track up is uh, Tired of Being Alive, probably one of my top ten Danzig songs. <laughs> sings this and just hearing those words it, it's almost like it doesn't matter what the verse lyrics are because they're really not that deep but mm-hmm. uh, I, one of the things that Danzig has always been really good at it was like touching on that perfect dark moody melody to fit the music that he was doing I like the song a lot too um, I do like I'm on the Wikipedia right now the working title was 13 Reasons Why <laughs> It was actually work uh, 13 Reasons Why Season 2. Okay. 
Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's about time we get a fucking joke in here. Come on, guys. Let's like right. up. It's fucking Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's all comedy. Go back to the whole thing about shirtless Danzig. Do you think that's how they, that how they balanced it was they could have somebody fold their, their CDs together, but they didn't have to buy any shirts? Is that how they made the profit? <laughs> the Danzig merch table is just a, like an empty thing. It's like buying a <laughs> They have no shirts. Like, <laughs> they all sell <laughs> shirts. They're anti-shirt. They're anti-Christ like and anti-shirt. Get nothing. Here's $25 to get no shirt. You just hand us 25 bucks and you still are all buff. Like, all like sh- you just uh, walk around and like, yeah, you hand them 25 bucks and you look great. Uh, do you think that they had like uh, like 15% off coupons for LA Fitness or anything? What do you think? I don't think LA Fitness exists back then. Oh, man, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. Their what what was... conglomerates of... Uh, of uh, Bally's? What, what about just the... It was like, Bally's yeah, yeah, a... the Bally's Danzig membership. Uh, Twenty five bucks, and you don't get to wear a shirt. You don't. You don't have to wear a shirt, and you get to eat YMCA. cereal with Chuck Biscuits. All right, Chuck Biscuits, uh, original drummer of the Village People. All right, I think that's true. Uh, I think that's yes, uh, but- what does what does uh, Eric Miller call that? A fake true fact? Yeah, untrue fact. Untrue fact. Yes, sorry. I'm pretty sure that most of Danzig's merch sales were in pasties. Hey, uh- okay. Ooh, pasties. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine the the the, the all the, the band there just shirtless but just like things over the nipples? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. What do you think? I think I, I think that is a rule in Tampa, by the way. I'm full chuck. Hey! <laughs> right? Me too. Three, three quarter. Have you guys uh, heard the uh, Jesse James, the the bike building guy's story about when he was a uh, bodyguard for Danzig? I do remember that. Was that the book called Banging Sandra Bullock? Apparently, they were at First Ave, and Prince was there. And like mm. he tells us, hilarious. I can't. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here. I'm doing the best I can. Please, but, but basically, like these guys are so fucking short. Hey, uh, is, is Dan? Is, are all Danzig short? Like five four? Well, Danzig know. is like five two, and Prince is like five two. Sure. And so it's like Prince and Danzig, and then Jesse James, and like uh, he thought it was like this is weird as fuck that like Prince is talking to Danzig, and I wish I knew that story better, but. Uh, Tired of being alive. Speaking of my life, <laughs> this <right>. episode <laughs> we clocked this one a little bit over four minutes. Uh, I really like the swagger of this song. The rhythm pulls me in every time. Great chorus, great dirty lead. Perfect. Please. Well, it's nothing fancy overall. I totally dig it. Uh, it picks up in the end to finish strong. Another eight out of ten. And if it's okay with our esteemed guest, Gene, I'll get to the next song. <laughs> Please. I love this tune. I'm the one, man. Places I've lived, you don't want to know. Well, if you want to hear evil, let's come a little bit close. I was a snake eyed boy when up the age of five, I made love to the howl of the wolves. With a dark-haired girl 
So if you wanna hear evil, I come a little bit close. She whispered in my ear, Little boy, you the one. Set the world to rights. I'll make it tremble in fear. I'll do it one more time. Cause you're the one, you're the one. You're the one, you're the one. You're the one, you're the one. Yeah, you're the one. Little boy, you're the I was raised by wolves, bitch. This is the, uh, I believe this. (laughs) This is the one that I was really shocked about where, you know, uh, you know, we're obviously doing this, um, uh, three hits from hell at this point. I'm not scared in this album at all. (laughs) And, and what I mean by that is that, that it just is a pure, it's almost like a roots rock album to me in a way that I get all the themes are evil, but I'm the one is this is just straight up blues. Like I was expecting at one point for this to explode into a, uh, a real rocker, you know, like the first maybe verse or two would be, but it still works. It's just like, it's like evil Elvis Presley. Yeah, I mean this. This is a classic sounding song, and it really like was again just just it was surprising to me, and I really enjoy this song. This dude was fucking somebody or something at the age of five, and that's not fucking evil enough for you. That's the vibe I got, and I don't okay. care what animals or any bestiality that's happening. That's the vibe I got. All right, so I'm the one. Three twenty one on this one, according to my notes. Uh, and I have written down here, uh, and now for something completely different, an even bluesier rocker, acoustic guitar included. While this isn't the strongest Danzig song, nor is it the weakest, I really like it included in the mix of songs on this album. Just like you mentioned, uh, Loose Cannon, uh, it, it fits in so perfect with this album, even though it's not like a, it's not a heavy song. It's, it's just kind of, it's a bluesy song. It lets and, you take a breath, right? Yeah. Kind of. And, and it, the, but it's, it's kind of a cool little setup for what's to come. I give this one yep. an 8 out of 10. It's a great sequence. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. They hit you, then they let you take a break for a second, and then they hit you one more time coming with tracks. By the way, is this uh, is this the final track on the LP or tape, or is this the beginning of Gene, Gene, do you know? I, this, I own this on CD for the first... This is the first CD. I am pretty sure it finishes... Side one finishes with the next track. That makes sense to me. Get anyway, that that's uh, Her Black Wings. So the black talk of the night Come to me, my bleeding light Till she comes, she comes now Enter oblivion There she is, all of her light In my arms There she hears when we're
this evil enough for you? You fuck loose. Yes, this is where it, where uh, this is kind of like the deuce of the album. Where it's just a the album's called Loose Cannon Fuge. It is. It is. I was wondering when you were going to throw that in there, but I was going to let you, somebody else take it. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I love this tune, man. Um, again, like I said, I, I tipped my hand early. There really isn't really a bad track on here, but her black wings is like, uh, it's it just delivers on so many levels, and it again, it's a it. This is kind of like perfect Danzig. Black wings. Can you know. imagine Danzig in a nice sweaty white uh, Elvis <laughs> outfit like in Vegas near the end of his career? I know because he, he does can imagine it. Say it again. I know he can imagine it. I think his next record is going to be a fucking Elvis covers record. That's what I heard it was. But by the way, he has the physique of later Elvis. But going to the song, man. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. He's committed to the bit, man. He's like, this is this is as fat as Elvis was. When, you know, uh, he died on the throne. Um, I've heard that actually right when he comes on stage, his writer is peanut butter uh, fried sandwiches right before he hits the stage. Hey, uh, part, of his, uh, part of his dietary requirements. But let's go into the song itself. Her Black Wings. Love this track. Again, this is something I seriously, a week and a half ago, I had never heard this album. Wow. I, I, I played, uh, I did it. This is one where I went back to I'm the One. And her black wing is kind of like a rotation because, because just like the first two songs, they, they flow into each other so well. And her black wings, I love the just like the revolving riff. I don't even know what you even call that because I'm I'm talking to two musicians. No, what that's a good way that? to describe it. Is that is that Jane? Would you agree too? It never stops. Is my point. And that just is it's so. I guess it's simple. It works. The lyrics are great. He doesn't uh, bossen it up. It's just it's it it's this is probably between this and the opening track are my for, my favorite two songs on the album six cool. and one. If I recall, this is the first song that I heard from this album. So great riff, uh, and then the chorus in its simplicity is catchy, perfect lead to match the song, and it's and a simple post lead bridge that is great. I love the riff and the simple uh, a penny, piano accompaniment to end the track. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. All right. Well, up next is uh, the song uh, Devil's Plaything. Love is a flame, a devil's thing, a violent stone about to be born. Just look in these eyes, see all the lies, all these things you see, you cannot deny. And the flame that burns inside, if you get too close, burn you alive. Just look in these eyes and see if they lie. All these words I speak cannot deny.
still think this is a really, really, really good song, but this is probably the first time on the record that I go, not my favorite tune. I, I'm in the same way. This is when it gets uh, the first the first chunk of this record, like side one, let's just call it. It is super strong. This one, opening side, let's call it two. Ah, it's okay. 413 on this one. Now, can I, can I ask you why you tell the times every time? Just for length of, so people understand yeah. what we're talking with, as far as the length. I think it adds color to the conversation. Hey, okay. Yeah. Color. okay. Time and color. There's no Time rhyme in the color. ancient mirror on this one. Nope. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. If well, I, a quick, quick quiz right now. What is the uh, the length of the Pink Floyd song Time? Uh, 4.53. Let's see if that's true. I'm, continue, Eugene. I just want to see, since you're a big fan of Time. Hold so, <laughs> <laughs> to gain away. So, I, just, I just went James Hetfield yeah, on, uh, <laughs> Oh, in the way, the woman set me up the Are you ready? What? Yeah. Okay, Gene. Yes. Again, because you're a big fan of track length. What is the album version length of time? And then I will also try to the get you with the uh, single <sighs> end of it. Go ahead, Gene. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out 4:53. It is 6:52. I was close. But it moves so fast. The moment. So- <laughs> <laughs> it moves so fast that it seems like 450. Yeah. Yeah. I was Gene. thinking the Metallica cover was 450. <laughs> so I remember after the power of her black wings flipping over the cassette to be serenaded with this pretty acoustic piece along with Glenn's powerful voice singing a nice little ditty. Of course, that only lasts for so long before it kicks into full gear. Great intro followed by more greatness. I really like the simple verse section sans bass. Uh, later verse sections to include the bass, of course, and that's cool. Uh, hauntingly awesome bridge section. More great wood guitar work by Christ. This one actually gave a 9 out of 10, so nice. this one I like a little bit more than you cool. guys did. Okay. 777. pretty good but again i think we're getting to the, to the part of the record that if i have to say there are weak moments this would be included with the last song but this is better than the previous song in dog beers i've had seven 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 <laughs> well how many beers is that you've had one 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 i've only had one you've had one 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 or one seven 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 yes divided by five yep I guess the 777 uh, thing, I can't take it seriously because it's basically saying, you know, it's the number of the devil. But the no, no, no. 666 level. is the number of the devil. 
I understand that, okay. but they're saying 666, but I'm going to take a next level. I'm doing 777, which pretty much sounds like a variation of when you do when you're in Vegas and you're getting craps or whatever. He was mocking Michael Sweet directly with this really? song. Yeah. How so? Please explain. Well, that was a joke. Uh, yeah, well, Striper, they literally, Striper was like, their, their thing was, we were 777. I didn't. I, okay. Well, I did not know that. My eraser's well-worn. Because I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> you know, um, I would enjoy this more if it was 7-Eleven and ended with a Slurpee. What is the, what is the uh, uh, length of time on this one? 539 on this one. Damn it! Why wouldn't that have been? That would have been a fine title. Fuck 777. 539 gets right to the point. So this one is... Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward. It's almost a uh, Delta Blues-like riff starting the track. It's haunting and it has an edge to it. Glenn laying down some mood lyrically. Uh, then there's some slide action on the guitar, and it's awesome bass uh, riff kicking in, bringing the song to its full realization. I think that this was one of those grower songs for me when the album came out, but now I really dig it. It's simple, it's catchy, it's creative. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Okay, well, that brings us to uh, the 10th track, Blood and Tears. track but i still think it's pretty kick-ass i just think it's cool because it shows his effeminate side about menstruation what about like an intellectual response all right so this one loose are you are you ready it's can i get you before it's 419 you got it good guess (laughs) you nailed it brother you got it so uh and now for something completely different a danzig ballad i'm guessing Uh, i really like the lead pieces the piano the organ the whole ball of wax Another grower for me back in the day, possibly a song I'd skip over once I got the CD, but now I dig it. The overall lead section is serviceable, but lacks something compared to earlier and the following lead riffs. Kind of reminds me of the track You and Me from the Lesson Zero soundtrack that Glenn did, uh, in a way. But of course, this is much heavier, for sure, and that one had a lot more of an Elvis vibe to it than this does. Uh, Are you talking about which track on the Lesson Zero soundtrack? uh, You and Me. Okay, I... Oh, not Rock and Roll All Night by Poison. Mr. Rocket. <laughs> no, that was my next Mr. One. Rocket, okay. kick it. So this, uh, I, my Thank you. The, uh, <laughs> the song ends perfectly, unlike our commentary on it. Eight out of ten. You notice I haven't scored anything so far. I know. We, your Half whole, chub. Your, <laughs> Would you like me to? I'll just do. I'll just do. I'll do a summary at the end. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, it's all good. good. It's, it's it's been fun. The Wild West here. The next track is "Girl," and I fucking love this tune.
I would give this a 10 out of 10. Uh, I, it, it's weird because I think probably the first 30 times I heard this record, I didn't rem- remember this song at all. And now it's like one of the ones that I kind of go to. 412. Huh, I beat you. Ah. <laughs> 420, brah. Yet another song that helps me appreciate John Christ guitar playing even more. Just those little nuances that had subtle flair to so many songs and Danzig so albums. Um, I don't have a lot to say regarding this track other than that. Uh, it's one of the weaker offerings for me, but it's still a, a great song that fits boo, so well in this release. Gene, boo. <laughs> this one I gave a 7.5 out of 10. It's the lowest one off the album so far. What, how do you even get to a 7.5? Can't you just commit I can't. 7 or an 8? Nope, I can't. Because <laughs> it's close to an 8, but it's not quite a, quite a 7. <laughs> so. Fucking, it's weak. I can't commit. It's weak. Just, just a half point one way or the other, man. Just, God. 7.34. Get the fuck out of here. 777. Right. Well, this amazing spooky-ass record concludes with Pain in the World. favorite if i gotta go the gene vogel way i'm gonna say about a seven out of a ten all right uh, not, not no percentages no no decimals i'm sorry 7.23 out of 10 what i like about it is it just kind of describes uh, how how i uh talk about baco is in my i just <laughs> add my my pain but uh gene wow. what what say you uh this see if this one clocks in at five 5.52, so we're almost ah, at six Jesus minutes on this Christ, one. with the time. A long one. Yeah, we're getting a little longer here to end the now, album. Now, and, and, and is that the longest track on the album, Gene, for the for the facts? Oh. Let's see. Yes I, or I no. think it is, actually. Let me just double it check is. my notes. It, it is, is by there. at least, yep. I would say. Seven inches. Almost. No. Oh. Devil's Play thing is almost as long, but it supersedes it by how many seconds, Gene? 
13 seconds. Is that weird? <laughs> is it weird this 13 seconds, an evil number on a Halloween album? Mm. Fuck yes. That's how it's ending. All this stuff makes sense. This is all arithmetic. It was, in- it was intentional. Hey! Absolutely it is. Gene, please continue. I am freaked out by this. You should see his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's something haunting about the chord progression in the intro of this track that I really did. God damn you. I can, yeah. I almost definitely got haunting. <laughs> Baco, come on. Oh, God. Go ahead. All right. There's something haunting about the chord progression in the intro that I really dig. The verse section helps feed this vibe, and things get even more creepy. The more I listen to the song, the more I like it. The layers, the vibe, everything just comes off great together to create what I'd consider a damn near Danzig masterpiece. Uh, The last minute or so is just ass-kicking energy, and I love that it's superb. Uh, this one I gave it out of 10. So I like this a little more than you did, Baco. Okay. I'm surprised. Right on. Um, well, for me, Danzig, of course, is like a, like I said, a top five, top 10 artist uh, of, of, <laughs> of my life. This record is one I definitely go back to a lot. It, it just it summarizes everything that is great about Danzig. It, about the guitar playing of, of John Christ, uh, the drumming of uh, Chuck Biscuits. You know, I, I honestly, other as much as I love Erie Vaughn, I'm not sure he's just a very, he might be the perfect bass player for the band because he just doesn't have a lot of personality. Right. Like, like yeah. he, he, he fits that blues pocket. The songs actually stand out because of how simplistic the band is, and that's hard to do. It's easy to be a simplistic band. It's not easy to be this simplistic and be good and be catchy and be fun to listen to. And also, of course, be evil. I think you described our entire show. Simplistic, but somehow fun to listen to. What do you think? Mm. Yes, no? Yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah, I, I can live with that. We'll work with it. Of the first four albums, is this your favorite? No, the uh, Danzig Three is probably my favorite. Uh, Why did you pick? Why did you pick this one then? I'm curious. To be honest, I think I thought this is the one you would like the most. Oh, that's very sweet. The uh, but but what I'll tell you is is the fact that this one actually makes me. Maybe it is an entry. Maybe it's not the best one. But but uh, for me, what it does is it, it makes me interested in checking out the rest of the catalog, at least the first four al- four yeah. albums like you're talking about. So, yeah, yeah, well done I, 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 I will part. definitely say this for anybody listening who hasn't listened to Danzig. If if this turns you on to them, it should only turn you on to their first four records because it's cool. much different after this. I'll just summarize this uh, again. Uh Better than expected. I enjoyed my homework project of of both Iced Earth and Danzig. Just discovering, uh, you know, albums I'd never heard heard in full before, and uh, yeah, half chub for me overall for the first what, ten to one hundred listens to this cassette back in the day <laughs> <laughs> on the boombox on the boombox boom box in the back of the '96 car. Yes. Eighty. Or no, sorry, seventy-six. Oh. Seventy-six. Seventy-six. Nine. Oh, oh did you live in Owatonna? I did not. Ten percent of the people who lived in Owatonna when I was in high school uh, drove a seventy-six Monte Carlo. Nice. It was. A, it was a classic car. What can you say? Yeah, nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, so it became one of my favorites, uh, uh, favorite albums that I've ever owned, and it's still true to this very day. 
uh, while some of the songs aren't as strong as some of the others, that, as we've mentioned, uh, in the context of the whole album, it's just everything clicks. It's kind of like a little bit yeah. of what we talked about with the Iced Earth previously. Sure. It's probably even more so here with the with this album. I can listen to this whole album without skipping a track. Um, you know, some of them were grower songs, but in the whole, You'd everything works. Real quick to counter that, I would actually say, uh, like, I, I don't think you can listen to, to the Iced Earth record one, like, pick a song. You have to listen to the whole thing. I do think you can cherry pick a few tunes on this record. Oh, you could definitely. Okay. Yeah, pick some cherry anyway. pick some tunes on this. Definitely. Her Black Wings. There's a few of them that we mentioned. Uh, I'm the one. Although, Snakes of Christ, you got to get in there with uh, Long Way Back from Hell. Those kind of work together. Yeah. Right, no, you, but you I, can, I, you can Snakes separate. of Christ is separated from that on that uh, uh, that uh, Thrall Demon Sweat Live thing. And I think I like that version better than this one. Was it a live version then? Yeah. Okay. So, it, but that works too. Like, even with uh, like the Rain song with Jimmy Page, he did not like the fact that everybody liked to listen to the song Amazing the same with the Rain song. He sure. always said those are separate. So when he did like uh, special compilation albums later, he purposely put those songs far apart from each other. Yeah. <laughs> Silly, by the way. It bugs the hell out of me because every time I hear... The, the song remains the same. I want to hear the rain song. So every time I hear the 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 long way back from hell, I want to hear Snakes of Christ. I get it, but I could listen to them separate. Same thing with the, you know some of the other songs that we. By the way, earlier. going back forty minutes, not of this world. That's a song after uh, uh, Twisted Can. Ah, yeah, that's right. Uh, for me, this I want to give this album a ten, so bad, ten out of ten. I gotta go like a nine and a half. I can't quite get it up to a ten, but it's damn near close. It's but again, it's one of my personal all-time favorite albums. So nine and a half out of ten, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with that. Yeah, can, it's almost a ten. So, I mean, there may be even some days where it's a ten. Some other ratings that I pulled off the internet, um, album the album of the year, which is a site that does uh, their like Metacritic, they pull sure. all the different ratings. They, they pulled an eighty-five out of a hundred on this. Rate your music, similar situation, three three point eight out of five. And that's based on actual just uh, users. So that's 2,452 ratings. It gives us almost four stars. Um, when we get into the professional ratings, we get all music. Gives us four and a half. Um, this I don't know who this is. Robert Christel or Chris Go. Chris to go. Chris to go. Chris go. Uh, B minus. Entertainment Weekly gives us an A minus. Wow. Well, that um, means nothing, but go ahead. <laughs> I was just surprised it was in Entertainment Weekly. Well, Rob- well, first off, Entertainment Weekly is a whore, but continue. But everything else you're saying, I, I believe so far. <laughs> Rock Hard out of Germany, they give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, Rolling Stone um, I, album. Is, that, is Rock Hard part of the, uh, uh, I think that's the next level from Half Chub. <laughs> covers yes. the fire rating system, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Rolling Stone album guide, three and a half out of five. And then uh, Spin gives us four and a half out of five. I'm sorry. If this, if this worker got three and a half out of five from Rolling Stone, that's basically an eight out of five from Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, no kidding. So that's uh, that's the the, the extra re- uh, review. It, it is funny, too. By the way, everybody turns into a whore. Rolling Stone used to be hardcore and everything. If you go to RollingStone.com, everything is awesome. Um, yeah, their website is way different than the magazine, isn't it? That, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like go, everybody who hated Rolling Stone bought whatever RollingStone.com and said everything is awesome. And I'm not sure if you remember this, but from the actual magazine Rolling Stone, if they reviewed an album, it was like a very long review. And uh, if you go to RollingStone.com, you look at your 
your whatever you're researching. It's like it a Guitar like, World magazine review. Yeah, well, it says like One this paragraph. is an album. This is an album, and it is a thing, and then it has a rating. That's all it says. <laughs> Did you have any closing thoughts there, Lewis? I do. I just want to be uh, to, to comment a little bit because uh, um, kind of like you've gone over production before. Love the production on here, and I am a bit of a Rick Rubin nut swinger. So mm-hmm. I believe this is part of his uh, genius era from yeah. I'll call it from 1985, yes. 1985 up to um, what is one of my favorite Tom Petty albums, Wildflower, um, Wildflowers, and that was when he pretty much uh, was done with me, in my opinion. But you can definitely, I think. Uh, see his influence on this album um so that's what i think takes it to the next level in my opinion and um yeah again as i've said before much better than i expected and different than i expected as well so that's my my uh final thoughts okay well uh before we go what song do you make love to on this record i'm gonna say uh Wow, uh, snakes of Christ! Because uh, you know, <laughs> if I'm if I'm doing it, I'm, I'm thinking of definitely snakes uh, crawling all over uh, Christ on the cross. Gene, blood and tears. Mm. Hopefully, I'm, really Anna- tired. I'm tired of being alive. Yeah, oh, that's nice. That should be the only time you, that you actually are wanting to be alive. Oh God! Yeah, well, it's three hits from hell, man, baby. I think that I think that tired of being alive is when you show up at the printing printing store. Uh, oh, let's get out of here, guys. Rock's not dead, but it's got seven hundred and seventy-seven reasons to be alive. Yeah.
to you, Baco. Happy birthday to you. I'm definitely fucking you. Happy birthday, Mr. President of Podcasts. Happy birthday to you. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Fuck, I'm calling you on my birthday. Okay, good. Or I want to call on my birthday. Fair enough.